This is the Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast as a service to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes facing medical needs and financial challenges. Your tax-deductible contribution will change the life of a former college sports hero. Please give online at negreats.org. And now, here's your host, Corey McEwen. All right, everybody, welcome to the Nebraska Greats podcast. Um, this is your host, Corey McEwen, second time hosting, so I guess I didn't screw up the first time too much. But this is the Nebraska Greats podcast produced by the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves for collegiate athletes facing medical need and a financial challenge. You can learn more or give generously by visiting www.negreats.org. And that money you're giving does not go straight into our guest's pocket. Ben Eisenhart, former Nebraska great, number 46, strong safety, every special team imaginable, and giver of many concussions. Welcome, Benny Eyes. How are you, bud? Good, man. Are you seeing people get paid for this? My check must have got lost in the mail. Well, download the Venmo app. I'd be happy to okay. get a few dollars over to you. All right, you. perfect. No, glad to be here. As long as it goes to Bud Lights. You know, that yes. this day, yes. especially during the I, Husker games these days when you need about 14 to 50 of them. I got to watch the cows. I'm on the truly bandwagon, man. Hey, that's it's truly weather. There's a good sponsor yes. for us. Truly, if you're listening, please yeah. reach out. Corey McEwen at AOL.com. Yes, Ben, I still have an AOL account. Perfect. So Ben and I, teammates, you know, all four and a half years of college. Um, ben graduated from... Uh, the greatest institution this side of the Mississippi known as Colbertson. Yes. Bearcats. Am I right, Ben? The the Bears, not the Bearcats, the Bears. Or am I thinking of the Bear Cave? Well, you've been there. (laughs) You've been there as well. We've all been to the Bear Cave. So Ben and I, we've been friends a long time. We played alongside each other. A lot of a lot of group hits on very, very good athletes. And what Ben and I were kind of discussing before this call is somewhat the toughest schedule that we have faced our senior year in 2007. And even before that in 2006, um, just the caliber of athletes we played. I remember, Ben, um, after we finished our bowl game, I think it was 2005, we had just beaten Michigan in the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, yeah. We're all, all of us and our buddies and our teammates, we're all texting, we're sitting there. I was back home in Chicago. We were planning our... We were planning our spring break trip. That's right. And we were watching the, the national championship, USC versus Texas. Which was the greatest national championship that's ever been. Still standing as the best. I mean, had to be. And I remember crossing my fingers thinking, man, I hope USC wins this because that will guarantee Leinert, that will guarantee Bush that they go to the NFL, and then we don't have to play them in 2006. Yeah, and, remember- and look. Yeah, luckily they left anyway, but still, um, yeah, uh, that USC team, but you know, that we didn't see, we obviously didn't play their national championship teams from, you know, 2004 and five and then in the national championship in 2005, but 2006 and seven obviously were, I mean, up there as well that, you, you know, you had 30 to 35 future NFL players on those two squads. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, it's a total different. It was a total different league than we were used to. You know, they had a very potent offense that year, but their defense defense was, was just the real unbelievably thing. talented. And I, thought I think of the in, thirty, 
of those 30 guys, 20 of them were defensive players. I mean, yeah, their offense was good, but their defenses were, they really stood out. So I remember just seeing a throwback for, I think it was a sports illustrated cover and they had their three star linebackers on the cover that were all on that squad. And they didn't even have rivers on there. Yeah. Keith rivers was the even on there in the league. So in they the had fun, in the uh, 07 team, Cushing doesn't even play in 07 against us because he's hurt. So his backup, Clay Matthews, is the one who starts the game. So it's like, um, okay, a um, little different thing here. Well, it just eons of talents on that squad. Clay Matthews, Rivers, Ray Monaluga, and then you had yep. Brian Cushing. Yep. You know, all, all four with obviously great careers in the NFL. And I felt like we had a, a really talented and deep offense that year obviously Zach Taylor at the helm yeah um, and then we had four running backs that all carried the ball quite a bit um, we had some good receivers we had Maurice Purify Terrence Dunn and Swift we, and yeah with D Todd Peterson and we yep. struggled to move the ball on them well that just was eons of their talent I don't know how you felt about it but that was like when USC that was the only team in my year games of playing that when I was like going, I just felt like I was out of my league a little bit. And it, it, it proved going forward that that to be the case when you have 30 plus guys on the NFL on those teams being playing, but on the field with them, it just, they just seem bigger. They just seem faster. They just seem stronger than anybody else we played. And that goes to their program success as well. Both what, Pete Carroll was doing on the field in yeah. practice, their off-season training. But when you load the roster with that kind of talent, you see it nowadays with the Clemson teams. They always graduate a lot of yeah. great people. Alabama, they always graduate a lot of guys in the NFL early, and they just get reloaded over and over. What do we got to do yeah. in Nebraska to get to that point? I mean, that That's what I'm curious about. I'm – do that. Uh, I guess that part comes – my – I would like to see more player development of what we get and then worry about, we need the talent. We obviously do, but I also, I, I just, I feel like we got to see these guys that we have play better than they do. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and that's, yeah, I would love to get four and five-star guys. I would love that, but you know what? Iowa state doesn't get four and five-star guys and look how they, I mean, they're good. They're, Wisconsin doesn't get four and five-star guys. Uh, you know, yeah, we can sit there and talk about the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States that just have a never ending supply of talent to pick from. But I also like, we can sit there. Yeah. Well, we're not as good as them because we don't get those guys, but I, I can also point to teams that don't get those guys and we're not as good as, so that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's my main thing I would like to see us improve on. But I mean, I know that's a lot easier said than done, but that I think that's my main concern. So I, I, I agree with you. I had a great conversation with Sean Callahan um, not too long ago, just discussing from our, our years at Nebraska, you know, how the recruiting classes ended up and the top, you know, one, I think are the lowest we had was in the low thirties to a yep. top team under, under Bill Callahan and how, yep. who, who was the most productive in those classes. And when you look at the list and the list that they compiled, um, it's really not the big star guys that were doing a lot. It was, you know, the three stars, the walk-ons, you know, they, that came into the program more dedicated. 
that ended up producing more and being more of a presence on the on the field at Memorial Stadium. I look back and I think the big class that we had while we were there was Marlon Lucky. Yep. Uh, Philip Dillard was on that team. We had some really yep. good JUCO transfers. Um, yep. Sue, obviously the biggest Sue name on that one. On yep, yep. So we 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 certainly had um, some big names. But if you if you take a look at those classes, did Marlon Lucky live up? Probably not. He got a lot of carries, and I always felt that he took carries away from guys like Cody Glenn, Brandon Jackson, Brandon Jackson being extremely talented. Um, you know, what kind of happens with the development of these players now versus then is, you know, you want to see your four stars, your five stars play right away. And sometimes yeah. that's just not the case. If you force it, you look at injuries, you, you just look at lack of production and try to force them into those spots. Player but development is certainly number one. But wouldn't you agree that there's, a, there's something wrong if you have a say a three and a half, four star kid come in who's 18 years old and he's better than a three star, 22 year old kid that's been there for four years. But just experience just doesn't get the amount of measure as it used to. I, yeah, you know, I, I just, I, I just look, wished we would be, I, cause I know of myself when I was 18 and I know myself when I was done at 22 and they're not even close to the same person. And I just wish that I owed the development the the strength training the nutrition everything else that we get the most out of these people where we, yes we want that four star freshman to contribute and to be able to contribute but we don't want him the day he steps foot on campus to be the, our best option that's a, I, that's very accurate because you know if that's if you're if you're banking on an 18 year old coming in and filling a gap for you there's so much risk in that situation yeah, you know, especially with a guy that's been dependable, but has had practice reps. I mean, look, you look back. Who, who knows the system? Who knows like everything? Like that guy, yep. that twenty-two year old should be better. He should be, you know. Right. And, and, and unless the four star is an absolute freak, which I'd love to get those guys, I would love to. But I'm just saying that the three star, twenty-two year old should be better than the eighteen year old four star. So let's just, look back. Yeah, let's look back at our class. I mean, our running back in our class was Tier Green. And yep, Tier who played never, three different positions in three years. I mean, never really grasped it. Never really grasped the position at running back. He got moved to corner a little bit, moved to safety. They tried yep. him out at wide receiver. Um, and then you get you get guys who just aren't the right fit that you maneuver. I think if Cody Glenn started at running back, I always felt in the practice reps that he was tough. He was a tough yep. running back to bring down. He gave effort on every play. But, you know, they felt maybe he'd be a better fit at linebacker, moving to linebacker, and he produces there. And yeah. Cody Glenn wasn't he, a big four- or five-star guy. No, he and he, he was just big and strong. You know, Cody was big, strong, and fast, and had a uh, he had a knack for the game. And I know those running backs and stuff, they love the ball in their hands. They want to carry the ball. But I think when it proved, you know, his senior year, when he went and moved to linebacker and he had all that success and the same thing, when he went to the NFL for a couple of years, he was playing linebacker. And I think that was probably a more natural fit for him. But those guys that are used to getting the ball, it's tough to take the ball out of their hands. That's for sure. No kidding. I mean, we look at, talk about yourself for a second. I mean, how many rushing yards did you have in high school? I mean, you were a state holder oh, yeah. for a long time until some, yeah, like five. some little guy named Danny Woodhead decided to step up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he didn't really he, pan he out. He ended up being okay. 
That's like, you, remember, remember, we used to get all those, remember the arguments we used to get in about Danny Woodhead? Because I knew Dan, I knew Danny since like junior high. And I would tell you guys, me and Bo would tell you, me and Bo Rue would tell you that how good he was. And he's da, da, da. And you and Sean Hill would be like, well, then why is he at Shadron if he's so good? And I'm like, I don't know, but he's better than Shadron said. I can tell you that. We get in the biggest arguments. And after 10 years in the league, I think Sean Hill was finally like, oh, yeah, he must have been all right. <laughs> You know, time will tell on that one. You know, yep. I mean, that's what you always used to say. And you, you're right, baby. I'll give yep. it to you after all Thank these you. years. You're finally gonna admit it. But now, not only has he whooped us at football, now he could whoop us at golf. He's like a scratch. Yeah, well, he's got too much time in his hands now. I got to talk to Danny <laughs> about. It. I mean, who gets to retire at 35 years old, 34 years old, and just kick it? I mean, come on. Probably every Shattered State graduate that comes out of the yeah. place. But you know, our debate back then was. We knew he was talented, but we don't think he could have fit in on that roster because we had four guys that were pretty good. It would have been tough to be yeah, we, Marlon we did, but Brandon Jackson, Cody Glenn. That would have been tough to do. No, I no, I agree. I just think that he, you know, he found his way on a roster pretty much everywhere he went. And he would have found his way on a roster here, you know, a, a slot guy or any pump returner, any of those things he would have been dynamite at. Um but, you know, people want to blame, you know, Callahan on that one. Really, it was a soul that he was an in-between guy. You know, he's right. he's a senior when Solich is, you know, Solich is there in the fall and then Callahan's there in the spring. And, you know, you get lost in the shuffle and um, the offer was never made, you know, and obviously hindsight 2020 was the, it was the wrong call. But that's that's what happens. You know, I go back and I think about we were talking, discussing our how difficult the schedules that we faced. Um, both in our 06 year and 2007 year. And if you go back and look at the records from our senior year, you know, which was really the the fall of Bill Callahan's year, um, yep. Zach, Zach Taylor graduates, go, graduates, goes on into the NFL. Um, we have Sam Keller transfer in. They don't give Joey Gans the nod, you know, yep. which we thought, you know, it, and you look at the guy's production and practice, which we had to face him every day, Ben. Yep. And, they were both good. I mean, Sam Keller was more of a style quarterback that Bill Callahan wanted. Yep. If you give if you give the nod to Joey Gans, you know, in that 2007 season, I think we get a couple more wins, and then they're even they're even posed more um, for for the 2008 season. Yeah, so, and you look at well, you know, like Sam. Sam was the he fit the mold of the picture. You know, he's six four, two forty, pro style quarterback, and that's what Callahan wanted, right? I mean. And you got Joey Gantz, who's six foot and 200 pounds. And it just, it didn't fit, you know, on paper, you should have went with Sam. I, I, I understand that, but you know what, in practice and in the game, it, it just showed a different picture of what should have been happening that year. Yeah. And you look at the NFL draft that's coming up here and the kind of quarterbacks that are, that are hot commodities right now, you know, the Justin Fields of the world, the BYU kid, North Dakota state kid. They're all kind of Joey Gans type style quarterbacks, the guys that just want to commit and win and will do it scratch and claw and do whatever it takes to get there. And it's and it's guys like that, the three star guys like Joey Gans, that kind of push your program forward. It's not just a quarterback position, it's a locker room presence, it's a leadership, it's having the attitude. I always felt that we had guys like that. And I don't know who the guys like that are at the university now. And I think that's really the big gap in the culture that we see, even under Bill Callahan, Frank Solich before that, 
we felt like we were pushing each other as the coaches were pushing us. And when we had a collapse in 2007, our senior year, you go back, you look at the strength of schedule. Wake Forest gets into the, what was it, the Orange Bowl that year or the year after? KU Orange Bowl that year. There were some really good teams that we ended up facing up against after a big graduating class from 2006 with a lot of NFL talent there. Well, that's why when I look at this, when I look at how they, how it ended up being that year where we go five and seven, really, when you look at that, we should have beat Texas that fall, that fourth quarter fall apart and we should have beat Colorado. So we're seven and five. That's the mm-hmm. best case. scenario. we're seven and five, we're not going to beat Missouri goes 12 and one that year. Yep. KU's 11 and like two. I mean, those two teams were on destined to do what they did. We weren't going to beat Oklahoma state that year. They had too much talent there, whatever. So, so it's not like, you know, like I agree, like we win two more games, right? Like, so, but both those games were Joey Gantz, right? Playing. So you look at it and you're like, okay, could have 07 went better. Yes. But how much better could have went instead of five and seven We're seven and five. Other than that, I, it's hard to see another win on that schedule. With the schedule we played, it's hard to see it. No, even Nevada had a talented team yeah. in the offseason, and, and we we whooped them. We go yep. at Wake Forest, 104 degrees. Who's a great team? Who's a great team that year? Had an unbelievable team. Um, I mean, we we get stomped by USC at home, which I really felt in 2006 with the team that we had. If we played USC at home that year, we win. It's a tight in game. Two, it's a last possession game in two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two thousand six at home and better. Yeah, yeah. You flip those years, and I think that's a win. Um, you know, we pull off a quick one against Ball State, who also had a very talented team that year. Ooh, very good team. So good yeah, team. we end up. I mean, after we we go play at Missouri with a, we were banged up. We had some we had some injuries going into those games. But you know we beat a, we beat a good Iowa State team. We lose to a very tough Missouri team, Oklahoma State, very good team. Then we play Texas A and M, who's another tough team, and they had a revenge game. Yeah, we, we should have won. That's another one. We should have won that game. Or not. I didn't think about it. That was that was trash on our part. Yes, yeah. and then and then I mean the Texas game's the big swing one where we go and lose yeah. down in the fourth quarter. So I mean we we have some tough games, but we come back on Senior Day. We played Kansas State, yep. win seven, we put up 73, win 73-31. Yep. Yep. And then Colorado, I mean, it just ends up being one out. of the second toughest half. games. Yeah, yeah. that you know, it's snowing, it's freezing, freaking second pump half. Block, real, pick pump six. block. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that just, like I said, you know, you can what ifs all day you want, but you look back and I don't ever try to be like, well, we should have been you know, 10 and two, not seven and five. You know, I try to be realistic when I look back at the schedule. Oh, but, but, but you at quarterback, me at running back, yeah. we would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah, right. I could barely throw the ball 20 yards. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about highlights of your career, Ben, what do you think about? Um, I think, I mean, one of the greatest, you count the whole week, that Alan Mobile in 2005 was about as good as it got. I mean, yes. wouldn't you agree? Yes. I mean, the just the game itself, but the preparation, the week yep. leading up to it, we wanted to win. We were yep. we were playing a tough That team. Michigan was a good team. They had, I mean, that whole roster was loaded with NFL guys, you know, future NFL guys. And to get that win down in San Antonio, and, um, 
just last the, second pitch back plays. Yeah. yeah get, the, thank you, Zach Bowman, for staying yes. with it and running that down. The Ickes strip that you you uh, pick up. Oh, man, forgot about that, too. Mike Hart yeah. hitting me the hardest I've ever been hit. And then Jake Long hitting me the second hardest I've ever Jake been hit. Jake Long. God, look, look, they had Lamar Woodley. They had Chad Haney. They had everybody, man. Breston was a stud. Yeah, Steve, why, Steve Breston. Why did we punt him the ball? Why didn't we just kick it out of bounds every You know time? what? Because we had damn good special teams back then, Corey. That's why. Sam, Yeah, but even you give Sam Cook with his leg, who's yeah. still yeah, starting that, for that's the That's our punter. And, exactly. But he could put it so far out of the reach of our gunners to tackle the guy. The guy was backing up 15, 20 yards, and yeah, he had we, 30 yards to run because Sam put the ball so damn far. He was good. He was good. But yeah, I would say that's kind of that's kind of a main one. Um, even though it was a loss um, for me, growing up watching Texas and whatever playing at Texas, and me personally having probably my best game I had it in my career. Even though it was a loss, the the late afternoon in Austin, Texas, playing on that field against Texas, growing up watching them as much as I did. That's a that's a big highlight for me in, in my career. Looking back, uh, you know the Big Twelve championship in two thousand six uh, in Kansas City. Even though it was like negative four hundred degrees, and I almost froze to death. Uh, <laughs> that is one. Too, you know, a couple of those things I would say. I'll never forget that game. But then uh, our bench just stopped working. The heat, the heated bench stopped working. You know, that stoops. He just does everything to win. I the know. Game. Exactly. Just, yeah, I think that, that it was so cold that warm water that was the hoses that were running the warm water through the benches froze. It's insane. That's how I, I know. And, you know, and for I, me, go ahead. It, for me, it, you know, in 2006, I wasn't playing much safety, but I was playing on every special team. So it was absolutely horrible that you'd go out on kickoff, run down on kickoff full speed, come off and stand there for however time it took. Oh, they're punting, run out on punt, run full speed, come back on the sideline and stand. Like I would go from sweating to freezing over about every five minutes for the entire three and a half hours of that game. That's how pneumonia started, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're that's the first COVID case, right? Yes. There. Yeah, exactly. You know, I for me that what I coming from, you were a Nebraska kid growing up, Western Nebraska, and you knew about the Huskers. I didn't know as much about the Huskers. I knew that they were yep. always good. I knew that they had the best. It was like, oh, they have the they I heard their fans are the greatest. Yeah, everyone says that. But yep. when I sat and looked around at that stadium, Big 12 championship against Oklahoma, December, you know, negative what? 15, 20 degrees. And it felt yes. like it. I think it was actually like 10 degrees, but still. Wind chill, Ben. Wind yeah, chill. Yeah, I, I know. But you look around and you see how much red in that stadium and games like that, you know, the half-assed fans of the world that would gladly sit out and the Nebraska yeah. fans, the Husker Nation, that would double down and more would go to support you. That's what really cemented in my mind is the Husker Nation is being the top. Yeah. The top. I mean, the, the sellout record aside, which we got to keep going. You know, even the struggles that we're having, but that really cemented it as these are the greatest fans in college football, if not any sport. And man, yeah. I, would, I really wanted to win that game when the offense turns it over on your own three yard line. Makes the second play of the game. Yeah, makes I it know it, it was a do. hell of a game. What was it? Twenty. What was the final score? Twenty one seven. It's like twenty one seven. I think. Something right? like yeah. that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, you know, the def- we had our struggles on defense in 2007 and, but God, in 2006, you guys, the D on that game, I mean, we on offense got the, we, I think had the ball inside their 40, like six or seven times and only scored once. Yeah. Um, I mean, you go back and watch that game. Oklahoma defensively just had a hell of a game plan on us. I mean, they were blitzing Zach from every angle, every direction, multiple directions that entire game. You could just tell he just, Zach could never feel comfortable. Our pass protection, we could never get comfortable in that game. You, you know what? They block, they do a fake punt that there's a hold that doesn't get called. And that's what really turned the game. Cause that puts them down in the red zone and yep. they go in and score in our office. Just, they just couldn't respond. Like you said, you know, Zach got lit up just a lot of hard. Yeah. Work. He was getting lit up. Yeah. Hats off to the, the you know, the Stoops brothers, they, they, they can put a defensive scheme together. There's no denying that. And they had it, they had it ready for us. And we just didn't have an, we didn't have an answer. So we've got we've got the spring game up coming up down the road here May one. What are your thoughts on what you want to see from Scott Frost and company? As you know, an old special teams guy myself. My God, we got to be better on special teams. We cannot. We got to. We got to either get touchbacks or we got to pin people inside the twenty. We cannot let offenses start at the forty yard line every time we kick off the ball, and. And the same thing with punt, like we can't, I just don't understand um, some of the, the special teams incidences last year that I just, I hope that and it's hard to see in a spring game, but I just hope that that's a huge focus point in fall and spring and fall. And I really hope we see a difference there. I, I'm not good. I agree it math but i'd rather have the team start at the 20 than the 40 every every time they have the ball so um let's see how that goes that's a yeah not we're not big math guys on this we're not going to talk too yeah. much advanced analytics between the two of us it's yeah. going to be about your brain your heart and the other stuff and that's what we think wins games yeah. more so than analytics but i you know that i want to see o-line d-line that's always the key to any successful yeah. program I want to see those guys really emerge and, and play well and be disciplined. I want to get away from being cute. I want to stop trying to outsmart ourselves on offense. I mean, you know, Jay, Jay Moore and I do um, post-game podcasts, and the, the thing we're always talking about is we're throwing the ball backwards. We're throwing the ball lateral. We're doing all these weird, long-developing plays. If you've got the talent that, you, that we should have up front and you've got some dependable running backs, let them win games for you. Uh, and I just want to see that, you know, stop trying to outthink everyone and let's just out tough and, and really outplay. Let's give our yeah. athletes a chance to be athletes. And you're going to be, you're going to face teams that are better than you talented. There's no doubt about it. You're going to face bigger teams, stronger teams, but you know, when it boils down to the actual want to the, the actual determination, we should never be, we should be second to none. And that's what no, the effort out of this you, game. You can't, I mean, effort is, is the only thing you control. Right. So I just want to see max effort and, you know, just like Alabama keeps being a national championship and yeah, they have studs all over, but man, their O-line and D-line are the best in the country. And it starts there. Like uh, me and you can say all day, like it's how good their linebackers and safeties are, but in all reality, 
the D line and O line is where the game stop, starts and ends. And so I hope, I think we got a decent group of guys on both those fronts. So I, if that's your starting base is decent right there, then I think we got to be optimistic, but we also need to, uh, we need to lean on those guys for sure. Well, that's speaking of two diehard fans on this podcast, for sure. I know we always go back and forth and our big group, all 500 group texts that we're on talking Huskers nonstop. Um, and, and at this point, I, even though we might not have the, the wind column, the, the check marks in the wind column that we all want, I still think that everyone's still positive about Scott Frost and what he's doing. But, you know, I'd like to see him turn the corner. And I think yeah, it starts I mean, this spring. You're back. I don't think I don't think anybody thinks Scott doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he's proven he knows what he's doing. He's been there. He knows that he knows the place better than anybody. Um, he's the guy for the job. I just hope that we can somehow get everybody rallied, rallied around him. So Ben, you went from walk on to Cletus Fisher, Native Son Award winner. Where are you keeping that trophy? And tell me, it's right next to the bar. It is on top of the bar, actually. Top <laughs> top of the bar. So when so my kids can't get up and break it. Now, <laughs> soon, like growing yes. like weeds, man. Seriously. Well, Ben Eisenhart, we appreciate it, man. We're, it's always fun talking with you. Um, looking forward to overanalyzing the Nebraska Cornhuskers yes. with you all season. Um, but we appreciate you and your support of the Nebraska Fo- Nebraska Greats yeah. Foundation. Now, just a reminder. Um, this is produced by the Nebraska Greats mm-hmm. Foundation. If you know anyone, a former co- collegiate athlete playing from any institution, Nebraska, um, and any of the 16, four-year-old colleges, universities, and they have a medical need, please let us know. Uh, and you can please give generously at www.negreat.org. Ben, thank you for your time, man. Hey. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. This has been Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast serving the Nebraska Greats Foundation. You can find each episode on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give generously to serve Nebraska's former sports heroes in need at anygreats.org. And be sure to follow the Any Greats on Facebook and Twitter.